0: Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Race with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens, and nobody is joining me on the show today. I will be solo to take you through what was another absolutely wild holiday weekend in racing. Um, I was lucky enough to get out to Auburndale Speedway this past Saturday, plus we had the Southern 500. Uh, We had a Thunder Road going on. Um, If you're following along with that, you should be on Flow Racing if you're able to you know spend, have that extra money to spend to get it. Um, just so much going on on a weekend like this and uh, honestly one of my favorite weekends of the year. last couple of years I've gone to Volusia this weekend it just it wasn't in the cards this weekend. Um, actually took a little mini vacation and uh, went out of town. so um, yeah, a lot to talk about even though new Smyrna Speedway was not in action. Um, I know it's been two weeks. That we've been off, but this actually was our off weekend for September. So New Smyrna will be in action uh, through the end of the month, and we have all kinds of great events coming up. Um, I guess I'll start there, and then we'll talk about what went down at Auburndale. Very exciting, long, chaotic night at Auburndale. Um, I think that's why that place is packed and doing well because it's always an exciting night there. Um, So we'll start with what's going on at New Smyrna. We'll talk Auburndale. We have the Southern 500 in the books. Another interesting start to the playoffs here for 2023 on the NASCAR side of things. We do have around the state. Showtime Speedway was in action. Again, um, I was out of town Sunday and Monday, so wasn't able to get out to that. Um, Thought about it, but just, again, wasn't in the cards. Uh, So we'll take a look at what went down there on what was described to me as a long, wild, crazy, chaotic night. So um, lots of craziness here in Florida on the bull rings. Um, And then we'll see... What went down at the Thunder Road bullring up there in Berry, Vermont, where things got rowdy. Um, two big late model flips in one day. Very, very rare occurrence. So we'll talk about that. And we do have um, this just in, our pool for the NASCAR Playoff Bracket Challenge. Um, I got quite a few people who are on board that turned in brackets. And I did, uh, I went back and looked at all the texts and messages I got and looks like our pool is going to be about $65. So if everybody pays up, which I, I've, again, I'm not expecting anybody, everybody to just pay me right now. Um, as long as your money is in by the championship finale, then it, it'll go into the pool. Again, if you fall out, I, I would still like for you, actually, let's just go ahead and say, we need everybody to pay by the end of the first round because I don't want somebody to fall out and then, you know, not pay their dues. Um, if everybody pays up, Sixty-five dollars to the winner, and how we'll determine the winner: um, whoever has the best bracket. And if we have a tie, if two people are eliminated at the same time, they'll split the money. If three people, then we'll split the money, and we'll we'll round up. If if the podcast has to put in a little bit of money uh, to round up for a nice even number, then that's what we'll do. Uh, So I appreciate everybody that did reach out. Um, I think what I'll do for simplicity's sake: obviously, if you're going to see me at the racetrack in the next couple of weeks, feel free to just give me a $5 bill or whatever you got to do. I can post a PayPal link too. I can give you the PayPal link to the podcast uh, PayPal, um, send in a quote unquote donation for $5, a one-time deal. You'll be done with that. Um, Again, I, I hate talking about money and I hate collecting money, but in order to make this fun and for your brackets to actually count, I do need to get that payment. But Right now, $65. Uh, divide that by five, you get, uh, w- what's that, about 13 people. Um, so pretty good little turnout there, and we'll talk about the bracket challenge. We'll look at the Racing with Ryan Fantasy League standings. Um, I do have updated power rankings, all that good stuff coming at you here on what should be a fun show. And again, um, I am by myself, and hey, this, this podcast started with just me rambling on the microphone, so... Pretty sure I can uh, fill some time and hope you guys enjoy it. So let's go ahead and get into it. Let's hop on over to the Auburndale Speedway, where, again, they had a very stacked card of racing uh, highlighted by the Pro Truck Twin 25s. And I got to tell you, man, Pro Truck Racing is alive and well in the state of Florida. Um, 18 trucks showed up and made for a very interesting night, to say the least. So I am going to go to the Auburndale Speedway. Uh, my race pass for the results, and we'll go down the list, and uh, Speedway Video, big shout out to our buddy Tom, and Speedway Video, he was in attendance Saturday night, and I'm glad he was, because I was able to go back and look at a couple of different things that transpired just to, okay, what I saw live does it match up with what I'm thinking, and we'll talk about some of the controversial moments, and again, not to bash anybody, but there were some controversial moments, and we're going to talk about it, so um, honestly, in my opinion, talking about moments that happen and giving opinion on them is not necessarily bashing or being negative. It's just talking about what went down. And on the flip side of that, you don't have to agree with it. Um, and, and you can go back and watch on Speedway video and see for yourself because Tom did a great job to catch the action. Uh, caught a lot of additional things on his uh, GoPro. So really cool stuff. Go check that out. Wild night. So Let's get into it here. I'm going to start. Again, I'm, I'm going the results posted on uh, Auburndale's my race pass. I'm going to go right down the list here, starting with the mod minis. They did have 12 cars show up. 11 made the call for the feature. Ronnie Abney was not able to start his 64 machine. Pretty standard mod mini race. Um, nothing really to write home about here. Nothing bad about the race. It just it, it happened. And as usual, you know, Nick Cummings is the he's the 112 of Auburndale. Uh, the two C, if if I heard the announcers right, is undefeated on the season. So Nick Cummins, with the win there, I, I talked to Nick for a little while after the race. I'm like, hey, bring that sucker to New Smyrna. We need we need somebody to battle. At least give the one twelve a run. And you know, listen, Nick's a hell of a wheelman. His car, and this is not a, a knock on Nick Cummings or anything, but his car is set up for Auburndale. It 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 has the motor for Auburndale and not necessarily the motor for New Smyrna. So chances of seeing the two C at New Smyrna is slim to none, but. You never know. I, hey, sometimes I just try to put little things in people's brains to get them thinking, you know. Uh, but Nick got the win here. He used to run uh, the little red. I think it was a Fiero. I uh, used to run that car in the spectator races alongside uh, Bobby Holly and team. So uh, a little fun fact there. Because so I'm like, man, I know this guy's familiar. And after speaking with him and and stuff on Saturday, um, that's where it comes from. So congratulations to Nick on his dominating season. Uh, Chuck Frazier, uh, last time I was at Auburndale announcing Chuck Frazier was up in the mix. Uh, He's got something for Nick. He just hasn't quite been able to get around him. Uh, Tim Rushing continues to have a good season. He finished third. Chris Spring in the 50 was fourth. And Larry Goolsby rounding out the top five, uh, followed by Jason Deaton, Aaron Williamson, Daisy Fuller, Curtis Harrington, and Kelly Hahn, the top 10 there for the Mod Minis. In the Pro Trucks, feature number one, this race was pretty calm, cool, and collected. Pretty standard race here. Nothing major went down, and that's what you want to see when you have twin races. You just you want them. To, you want the first one to be clean, so that you have everybody left for the second race. If they all go crazy in race number one, and you're on the risk of tearing up good trucks and not having them around uh, for the second race. So this race pretty clean, and it would be Carter Brown. In the 11, who got the victory over Chase King, the point leader in the 24? Palmer Hag with a top three finish. Good run for Palmer. Cody McDuffie, he started fifth and was only really able to make it up to fourth. This race got kind of strung out. There wasn't a lot of passing. Like I said, this one was pretty calm. So, not a lot of opportunity, not a lot of restarts and chaos for people to make their way up through. So, Cody had to settle for fourth. Brendan Pletcher, fifth in this one. Jackson Denton making his first career start driving the 88 that we've seen um, propel TJ to care up the late model ranks. Um, Jackson was making his first start. Actually, at the Speedway, I ended up sitting next to uh, Jackson, I believe Jackson's mom and, I'm assuming, sister. Uh, they were. We we got there early, scoped out our spot when we came up for the start of the races. They were sitting a couple of seats over, but that um, was with Peyton, and that gave Peyton some space to run to the right and space to run to the left. And she was back and forth and she'd made friends with the, the young, I believe uh, Jackson's younger sister. Um, they were super good to her. And I was like, Hey, if she's annoying or whatever, let me know. And they, I remember at one point, uh, Jackson's mom got a phone call, uh, I believe from somebody down in the pits and they're like, "Yeah, we got a spot. We're up here next to this really cute girl with curly hair. So I knew the night was going to be good there. Um, you know, it was nice to sit next to those guys, chat with them for a bit. Um, uh, unfortunately, in in race number two, we'll talk about it here in a minute. Things did not go according to plan for the eighty eight, so I didn't get to say thank you to them. So if they happen to stumble upon this, thank you for being good to my daughter. Um, anyways, Jackson was sixth in race number one. Daniel McLean in the twenty one was seventh. Corey Bigley eighth. Beckham Monopoly again started ninth, finished ninth. Just not a lot of movement here in race one. Jack Hall. Friend of the show, finished in 10th. I want to give Jack a shout out. Qualified 12th, and I posted the results to uh, my Facebook. Just give people a little. I, I'm not the best reporter in the world. Sometimes I have a free moment. And I was able to post the results of truck qualifying. When I got into the races, I had my hands full, so I didn't get race results posted for you. But anyways, um, I noticed that Jack outqualified Jeffrey White. and I, I talked to Jeffrey, and he just seemed he, he seemed a little out of it. So I don't know if the truck just wasn't running right or if he was just mentally taxed or whatever, but um, that that truck was a little bit off. And uh, Jack took the screenshot and said, and he posted, he's like, hey, I'm only posting this because it'll probably never happen again. But man, I beat Jeffrey White. And Jeffrey White has set the bar high at New Smyrna where, you know, Jack is a, a competitor as well. And uh, yeah, Jack had a solid day. Truck held together and got a top 10 in race one. So that was their uh, top 10 recap there for race one. Race number two got a little bit rowdier. It Honestly, these were probably the cleanest truck races I've seen. Now, there was a little bit more chaos some spins here in race number two, but this race looked more like what you would expect. Um, the, the big incident happened when we were just talking about um, the 88 truck for Jackson Denton. He got into Daniel McLean on the back straightaway. Uh, they, there was three or four trucks kind of stacked up off too. And Jackson got into the back of the 21, sent him into the infield. And then, as is typical at Auburndale, uh, you want to, if you get into the infield, you kind of want to pull up and be, quote-unquote, in the way, so you draw a yellow. As the 21 wanted to get back to the pits, that's the downside to Auburndale. It's basically impossible to get back to the pits under green flag conditions. You have to pull in the infield, you have to wait for a yellow, you have to wait for the track to be clear which is why any racetrack, and we'll talk about racetrack openings a little bit later on in the show, but any racetrack with an opening, it's an imperfect science. And at Omerdale, if you get stuck in the infield, you go multiple laps down, your night could be over if you don't get a yellow. So, as we typically see, the 21 now, to be fair, Daniel just rolled up the track a little bit to get himself really lined up with the pit area, but, as we've seen before... If a truck or a car is sitting in a bad spot, you got to throw the yellow. Yellow comes out pretty much immediately. So, you know, watching it live, you see the 21 roll up. You're like, oh, he's drawing a yellow. But everybody does that, especially when it's just a little minor spin. So the 21 is is pulled up. He's, quote, unquote, in a bad spot. Yellow flag comes out. But the trucks in the middle of the pack are still kind of racing off turn number two and Jackson, I don't believe, was aware that the yellow was out or didn't get the call. Uh, There was spotter audio in the truck, uh, well, actually driver audio, so I don't know when the spotter might have told him the yellow was out, but he didn't realize it. He got into Chase King, and that sent the 88 shooting down towards the infield of the racetrack, and boom, wouldn't you know it, right into the side of the park number 21 of Daniel McClain. So the 88, now I say spins him out, I don't think it was intentional, it was racing, um, but the 88 spun out 21, come around the corner the next time, comes down the straightaway, and basically T-bones him, so McLean hops out of the truck, he's ticked off, you know, he's kind of thinking, what the heck, man, you spun me out, then you came around and cleaned me out, what's, what's this all about, I, I really doubt that Daniel knew there was contact, and it wasn't just the 88 driving off the corner, now, again, situational awareness. When was the caution called? When did the 88 know the caution was out? When did the 24 know the caution was out? Who's at fault there? I don't really know. It looked like to me, as I was still watching live, it looked like that group of three or four trucks was still quote unquote racing. They haven't quite backed all the way out of it yet. You know, yes, the lights were on and you can say, oh, you should have been looking at the lights. These guys are focused in, in the middle of a pack running with a couple of other trucks. So, um, again, uh, Jackson's first time in the truck, so maybe a slight lapse of situational awareness. But, again, you're not in the truck. You don't hear what's going on. You don't know. Benefit of the doubt. But just it was a tough situation. Now, there was a guy in the crowd who kind of went off, said, oh, he did that on purpose, and was saying some stupid things. I I think he had visited the beer garden one or two times during the night. But anyways, um, that's when I realized. And because I was was back and forth from my seat to the the perch talking to Tom, you know, I was – walking around with Peyton. I, I was up and down and around throughout the evening, uh, but then I noticed that uh, Jackson's mom was gone, and she was giving the uh, the guy who was yelling out stupid stuff, uh, she was giving him the business. And I, I don't know what she said, but it was quite animated. And uh, I was like, well, I was going to thank you guys for being sweet to my kid, but you have other things to take care of. So anyway, that was definitely the wild incident of the night. I'm sure that's what everybody has gone to see on Speedway Video as he has cleverly clipped out the clip of McLean given... Jackson a a near full. When the checkered flag flew on feature number two, it would be Cody McDuffie, who was able to work his way from fourth on the starting grid to first. Palmer Hag started first, finished second, a career night for Palmer, a couple of podium runs. And then uh, Carter Brown, our winner of the first race, finished third. So good runs for Palmer and Carter throughout the night. And then Jeffrey White, we talked about maybe that truck being a little bit off. They got it figured out in race number two because he started 15th and came all the way up to finish in fourth, Beck Monopoly with the top five finished to round out the night in fifth. Then it was Chase King in sixth, Brennan Pletcher seventh, Todd Hagg eighth, Kendall Wheeler ninth, and JT Chastain rounding out your top ten for the pro trucks. So, yeah, definitely uh, race number two got a little bit more action-packed, I guess you could say, depending on what you look for in action. But uh, pretty good races there for the trucks. Uh, fast qualifying the night, by the way, was Chase King at a 14.347. Let's see here. Pure Stocks, next division of line. They actually closed out the night, and it was a good field. Um, at this point, night had been running kind of late, and I looked at Tom, and he's like, man, we still got one race to go. I'm like, yeah, I think there's only 10 or 12 of these things, and then they kept coming. Uh, so 18 cars took the green flag, a couple of spins, some wild moments, some good racing, but it doesn't matter what you do. You cannot keep James Wright third at bay. Started back in the 12th position Um Oh, by the way, I didn't say this earlier. They did not run heat races, so this was luck of the draw at um, registration and a lineup and race, and James Wright came from 12th to win it. Uh, Pretty exciting race. Aaron Holmes started on the pole, looked like he might win this thing for a while, um, but he was unable to hold off James Wright and had to settle for second. Mike Smith in the 129 was third. Not not New Smyrna's Mike Smith. Auburndale, Florida's Mike Smith, not to be confused. Uh, Colt Cecil, and I know Mike listens. That is not... Mike, pseudo-Mike did a good job for you. Um, Colt Cecil finished fourth. Rebecca Cattarelli finished in the fifth spot. She had a good night. Bobby Mobley, uh, he was up there battling for the lead at one point. He got into somebody and spun him out. I can't remember who. And uh, he went to the back, battled back for sixth. Caleb Grossenbacher, who's been so good at uh, Citrus County. Uh, Just a mediocre seventh-place run for Caleb. Wasn't really in contention. Bobby Kelly in the 70 finished eighth. Ninth was Greg Dick, and Adam Barnes finished in the top ten. And I believe there was a wild incident. I think the 00 went around and collected Rick Haw in the 77. I believe it was Rick in the 77 who took the brunt of this incident, but it ripped the, the rear uh, rear end housing completely off the car. And if you remember back to, I want to say, 2016, 2017, maybe 2018, uh, it was during the p Memorial, the last one we ever ran in February or in January, Bobby Holly got uh, crashed in a similar manner. His rear end came out and a car bounced in the air and ended up landing back in the rear end housing. That's what happened here to Rick Haw. So, pretty wild moment there. Um, I think that's the only thing. Credit goes out to Tom for catching all this stuff with one camera. I think that's the only thing he missed. It was a pretty wild uh, sequence of events, but um, that was the, the big action moment there in the Pierce Docks. A mods were in action. Again, this was a, a stacked card here on Saturday. 10 cars showed up for the A mods. Most impressive drive for me of the night was Eugene Tumanello in the 35. Of course, eh, there might be a little bias here. Uh, me and Eugene, we're always chit-chatting when we're at the racetrack. He's a good kid. Um, family sponsors the pod. So, yeah, I know Eugene pretty well. And uh, he had just started driving the 35 for Brian Mylar, which used to be the 41 of Jeffrey White. And he was leading at New Smyrna a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Dylan LeBeau caught him, got into him a little bit, clutch slipped on the 35. They got that fixed, brought him back out to Auburndale. Nope, no heat race, some practice in the middle of the day. But first time Eugene had been to and Andy drew dead last on the starting field. And watching Eugene, because that was where my interest was in this race with, with Eugene, and uh, first, I, I don't know, 20 laps or so, you could see he was kind of tiptoeing around, just trying to keep the nose clean and get around the track, get a feel for it. Uh, there was a wild moment. The 20 machine Carl Jones got out of shape and about wiped out three or four good cars. Thankfully, he was able to gather it up and not wreck anybody off a turn of four. And then we had a yellow. And this is where Eugene settled in. Uh, they had a restart. A couple cars got stacked up on the inside. He drove around the outside of two or three guys and got himself in position and then worked his way up into the top three and held off a hard charging Cody Durham to finish in third. And I was like, man, I got to go down there. So I told Steve, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to see Eugene. And I was the first one at the car. And he's like, Hey, we're overheating back up. I don't want it to, to blow or anything. Cause I had Peyton with me. So, uh, kudos to him for his awareness and concern. Uh, but I wanted to be down there, give him a fist bump, let him know. Uh, I thought he did a hell of a job. And then the team came over and I told them the same thing. So, that was definitely a cool moment. Steve then asked me if I wanted to do the interview with Eugene, and I declined because I was not there to be part of the show. I was just there to enjoy myself, enjoy the races. So, uh, But I appreciate that, and Eugene did a hell of a job. And the only guys that beat him were track regulars, uh, Bray Ganey and Ronnie Abney, who have so many laps around this place they could probably drive it with the lights off. So uh, shout-out to Eugene Tumanello. Impressive, uh, I, I would say, driver of the night. You know, not to take away from anybody else's success, Um Yes, maybe a little bit of bias.
1: Yeah,
0: whatever. We, we all have that sentimental favorite, right? Um, but anyways, Bray Ganey with a big win. He's having a great season in the 42. Stepped up from the mini stocks a year ago or two years ago and doing well in the A-Mods. Now Ronnie Abney, again, he's up from pure stocks and mini stocks, and he's running well in the A-Mods. He was second. Then Eugene in third. Cody Durham fourth. Fifth for Matt McCrary. And Brent Jenkins was sixth. Jacob Wallace, seventh. Jimmy Pope in 8th, ninth for Carl Jones and Jacob McCordale. Uh, Again, a lot of new drivers. That Amod division is starting to come around there in Auburndale. Uh, Let's see here. Moving down to the Legends cars. Uh, 12 cars, so pretty good field of Legends. Um, It was a fine race. Uh, Maybe competition for Eugene's driver of the night was Evan Bookmiller. He was spun out, maybe even went a lap down early in the race, able to battle all the way back. And take the win. Uh, so great drive for Evan in the four. He was able to hold off Gerald White and David Furtado. Uh, Jared Hole was fourth, fifth for Quentin Weiss, and it was Ryan uh, Note or High George Ingram was seventh, eighth for Bo Collins. Philip Vest ninth, and Jared Furtado rounding out the top ten. SRQ taxes mini stocks. This one um, there was only surprisingly only about twelve cars in the pits for the mini stocks. Could have sworn. I, I guess I got the mini stocks and pure stocks confused. I. Could have sworn you could have flip-flopped those before they came out. But these guys put on a heck of a show And another wild, controversial race. There was a moment, and I don't know why, Um I can't remember who it was, a 162 maybe, kind of cut down and took out the leader and point leader, Mike Engel, sent him into the infield. Mike had to go to the back of the field, worked his way up, and... He had to battle with William Kearns, who was the leader. We had a couple late race restarts. We did have a cargo airborne in this one, not go upside down, but kind of did like a an endo almost coming out of turn number four. Tom got a cool shot of that with the the GoPro front stretch cam. If you want to go back and watch it, it was kind of early in the race. Um, but the the drama in this one really was with a couple laps to go, they had a restart. William Kearns is the leader, and they called off the restart several times because they kept. I guess saying William Kearns was jumping the start. I didn't see it. I was getting frustrated because I'm like, come on, man, let them race. You know, the leaders, it was kind of like the Frank Button situation. If Mike Engle's laying back, then he's laying back. Um, Again, restarts, it's it's a moment to get ahead of somebody. It's a moment to get up there and get positions. And there's always games. So, you know, you play the games and you hope the calls go your way. And uh, the calls did not go William Kearns' way. He got sent to the back of the field. He charges back up through. And went battling with Zach Dee's for second, got into the side of him, and uh, it was definitely a rough attempt to make a pass on the final lap. But it's the final lap; he rubbed him, he, you know, he got into him pretty good. There was they were trading paint for sure, but he didn't wreck the man, and he was disqualified. So, in my opinion, I, I think William Kern's—I uh, don't know if he's drawn the ire of race control in the past or what—but he was the man they made an example of. And and again, I, my opinion is. Let them race, you know, um, short track racing at the bull ring. There's contact somewhere in the pack, every single lap, it seems like. So I don't know. It kind of sucks that William had a good day going and had nothing to show for it. He got his picture in third, but, uh, he was DQ'd according to the results here. So Mike Engel got the win. Um, and and Mike's a great dude. I was, at one point I was chasing Peyton and, uh, we were walking up and down the front straightaway a few times and, uh, Mike, it happened to be Mike Engel who was behind me. He goes, Hey, um, I'm pretty sure I've talked to you in victory lane here before. And I looked at him like, there's a good chance you probably have. I've been here a couple of times and I didn't recognize him off the bat. And I'm, I'm trying to keep an eye on Peyton. Uh, there's a lot of people moving around, uh, with it being in between races. And, and I, I'm like, Oh, I don't want to come across rude. So I turned back around and said, remind me of your name. And I can tell you for sure. And he's like, I'm oh, Mike Engel. I'm like, Oh, for sure. I've talked to you before. So, uh, Mike's a good dude. Uh, Definitely one of the nicest guys in the pits at Auburndale. And I know he's a big supporter of Speedway Video, which uh, I know Tom appreciates. Therefore, I appreciate it because we want Tom to stay around, of course, and keep filming all these races for us. Uh, But Mike Engel comes back after getting spun out halfway through the race to win. Zachary Dees was second. Cole Gunter third. Tony Davidson was fourth. Fifth to Danny Fox. TJ Cruz kind of think he blew up again. Like three or four blown motors for TJ. Just cannot keep a power plant going in that car. Uh Tim Simmons was seventh. Tyler Herring, eighth, ninth for James Harb, And then he had Bobby Roland, who did not start. He actually went up on the uh the commentary stand with Steve through the night. And I'll talk about those guys um when we get through the results here. And then John Cummins, the DNS, and William Kearns, the DQ, which I think was for rough driving. I think. Uh the Crown Vicks were in action. They happened early in the night. And to be honest with you, uh, good field. 20 cars, 21 cars, a couple of DQs. Again, not sure what for. Um, Jimmy McLeod and Chance Saucerman were DQ'd. Uh, you know, standard Crown Vic stuff, some spins, some contact, some crazy driving. But uh, as far as the Crowns go, they put on a solid race, and it was Bobby Mobley in the 29 who was DQ'd a week ago in the big race. I uh, was able to keep this win, so they fixed whatever the problems were. Uh, he won the race here. Preston Davis was second. James Bristol, who had a Speedway Video in-car, was third. Michael Fuller was fourth. Fifth to Lloyd Freeman. Michael Bauer, sixth, seventh for Clay uh, Clay Cruz. Easy for me to say. Luke Hauser in the 46 machine was eighth. Ninth to Brandon Wolfhanger and Alan Holtz. Your top 10 for the Crown Vicks. Again, nothing significant that I remember in that race. So go back and watch it on Speedway video. And then, of course, you can let me know what I did forget. Uh, Prolates. I thought that with the break and everything, we might get. I wasn't expecting a ton of Prolates, but I thought maybe they'd get 6, 7, 8. They had 5, which, and I like what Steve said, because I even asked the question, I'm like, are they still going 50? And he kind of made the comment when the race started, he's like, yeah, we're going all 50 because we don't want to give up on these guys, which is a great way to put it. I mean, you can't fault the guys that are there that other guys didn't show up. And again, first year of the Prolates being a, you know, once a month, once every three weeks division at Auburndale, and they had a good little group. It was a decent little race. The top three were right on each other's bumper for much of the race. It was fun watching Sozio and McDuffie. By the way, Cody McDuffie wasn't a pro late. So, um, Again, some good battles. It wasn't boring by any means, but TJ Decare got the win. Tim Sozio finished in the second. Third for Cody McDuffie. Jeffrey White was fourth. And Martin Fuentes in the 15, driving for RCS or Jamie Skinner. That machine will be at New Smyrna this coming weekend. Um, so we'll see Martin. Martin, uh, first time out, struggled a little bit. Off the pace just a tad. Uh, but again, first time out, got to learn somewhere. Uh, Tim Sozia, the fast qualifier for the Prolates at a 13-6-3-2. And then the final event, which uh, actually the, the final thing on the list here, which was the first event of the night, the Bandoleros. They had a wild start. Poor Keegan Chance in the 19 on the first two starts. Got involved in something and almost flipped over on like lap two. It was pretty close to going over. He rode up, he bicycled on two wheels pretty good, but Gerald White got the win here. Tinsley Myers second, Sadie Parsons third, John Wise fourth. Bryson Carlbert was leading. He had the mechanical issue. I think he went and won at Showtime, which we'll check at the end of the show. Uh, Heath Hino and Keegan Chance, your seven cars. So 115-some-odd cars in the pits. It was packed, uh, great atmosphere, and again, Got to give a shout out to Steve and Bobby Rollin. Very entertaining. They have come together. Steve, as I'm sure most of you know, he's pretty even keel, um, keeps it straightforward. Has definitely begun to come out of his shell since he started. Um, and again, good good buddy of mine. But couldn't say a bad bad thing about Steve. Um, but he and Bobby Rollin they got together for a crash Crashorama event or a Tour Destruction event. Sorry, don't want to throw the wrong thing out there and get anybody mad. Um, and Bobby brings, whereas he's, he's a racer, not really, uh, a seasoned announcer yet, but he brings that energy and he brings that, that rawness, that spunk that you don't normally get at a racetrack. And some people will say that's what racing needs. Some people will say it's too over the top. Um, some people will say that Steve's delivery is perfect, or some people will say that he needs more energy. Everybody has their personality, and when you take two different personalities and you put them together, you get kind of the best of both worlds. And if one guy is a little bit too over the top for you, then just focus on the other guy, and vice versa. Um, I gotta give Bobby a ton of credit for trying to get the crowd into it. Um, he would play more upbeat songs, different songs that there were a couple that played them like, um, I don't know that this is what the racing crowd wants to hear, but again, you you will learn as you go, if you do this long enough, what songs, you know, people really want to hear, and what songs, you, sh- you know, I put some in there, in my playlist before, that I hear it playing at the track, and I'm like, okay, I, yeah, I do need to take that out, so, um, but man, he he tried to get the crowd going, and he, he, he got portions of them going, he got individuals going, but sometimes I'm like, man, he is trying his heart out up here, and everybody's just sitting on their thumbs, so they... They he's got to train. They've got to train the crowd and they're getting back into the flow of things. But I think Bobby uh, brought some energy and a different flair than uh, what Armadale had had at the beginning of the season. And Steve, just like I said, Steve continues in my eyes to impress. And he's always a pleasure to work with. Steve is one of those guys where he's like, I'm just up here because I like racing. If you want to do something, do it. He'll be the first one to say, hey, you want to do this interview uh, you want to go interview this guy? I mean, hell, he was going to give me the mic on Saturday. So I really enjoyed their dynamic. And I think as they continue to work together, that uh, Dale is going to have a really good um, balance with their with their two voices up there. And, um, you know, Steve keeps getting better. Bobby is, like I said, he's got that energy. Um, he's got a good delivery. Um, my only thing, and I know these guys are probably going to listen to this. My only thing that I'll say, and I, it's more noticeable listening back to Speedway video. There's a lot of times during the race where there was multiple laps where nothing was being talked about. And I know, I know because I do this, that when the cars are going, the crowd, quote unquote, can't hear what you're saying. And I'm used to having Speedway videos. So I try to keep things I try to keep something going on. And there are some races where, God, it's hard. Um, but I would just say, sometimes the crowd, they may not be able to hear what exactly you're saying, but they will listen to your cadence. And when the action is droning on, and all of a sudden your voice picks up, they might not hear what the hell you said about what happened in turn three, but they'll notice that your voice picked up. And they will that'll help perk their attention and draw their eyes to a different part of the track if they're not looking right at it. So... Again, that would be my only suggestion, and I, I thought you guys were fun. Um, we were getting into it. We, we were trying to give you guys – me and Peyton were trying to give you guys the noise you deserved. So uh, kudos to those guys for for working the crowd and, um, you know, stepping outside of the the norm for Saturday Night Short Track. So well done. Very, enjo- very enjoyable show. Great racing. And uh, me and Peyton appreciate the hospitality as always – you guys always make us feel welcome when we are able to make it out to Auburndale. Uh, it's our, our little second home away from home there. So, excuse me, thank you to Steve, thank you Auburndale Speedway for having us out there and letting us get some content here for the show. And, um, man, it was I, – I can't tell you guys how much fun it was for me to just go hang out with my daughter at the racetrack. You know, a lot of times when we are at the racetrack, I'm working um, – Sometimes I get to spend a few minutes with her in between races, but it was nice to just sit there to watch her get into things, like what a car would spin out. Oh, oh no, da-da, uh-oh. Um, and sometimes she just wanted to play. And I spent, I took several trips down below the grandstands to get vroom-vrooms that she dropped, and that's okay. Um, there was a, a point in the night where she just wanted to go uh, up and down, up and down the bleachers, the, the one in front of us, back to, back to her seat back to the bleacher, walk up and down the row, because it wasn't like a sold-out show. So she had a little bit of room to be a kid, and she enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I spent, you know, a, a lot of the night with one eye on Peyton, one eye on the racetrack, and uh, I'm sure I missed a few things, but that's okay. Had a blast. She was awesome. Uh, burnt right out with about three races to go. She ended up falling asleep on my shoulders, and it uh, it felt like old times when she was a, a young kid and would just curl up in my lap and fall asleep. So, um that's my dad the dad of me coming out and uh man had a great time so really glad we got to start the weekend off with some great racing at auburndale and uh looking forward to uh getting out there again i know we'll be out there a couple of more times this year we'll we'll see you know how things play out with uh with schedules and weather and all that but you you can you can pretty much count on us uh getting out there a couple of more times because we always have a good time so um real quick before we take our first break um I alluded to it a little bit earlier. New Smyrna back in action here this weekend. So, of course, next week's focus for the show, as long as the race gets in, I don't know what the weather's looking like. I don't care. Um, next week's focus should be on the New Smyrna Speedway. We have legged four of the Hoosier Tire Pro Late Model Challenge uh, coming off the Shark Bite 100, which definitely took out some of the locals. Um, you know, Mike Amato... Uh, the 12 of Joey Kreitz. Um, I don't expect those guys to be back. And those were two guys that you could almost count on being there. They're not going to be there. I, I don't think they're going to be there. They may. They may. If they've got other cars or other things lined up, I think we'll have Mike Micklier back in the 19, I think. Um, I have. Here's the cars that I know are coming, and I should pull up. A, I released a post. I, the things that I was able to compile. Compile. From this weekend, of course, Brad May is going to be there. He's in line to take over the points lead because TJ Decare will not be here this weekend. He will be staying at his home track of Aberdale to run the Super Late Model Twin Fifties, and that stinks for the the points at New Smyrna. But I can't blame him. Um I feel like you've you have to go where it makes the most sense for you to go, and I hope that means we'll see him back for Governor's Cup and uh, the race on October seventh for the Prolates. But uh, so we got Brad May. I believe Mike McLeod, we have the 17 of Colby Clements, and then we have the 18 of Carson Brown driving for Anthony Campy Racing. He used to drive for the Rackley team, but he is now in the uh, ACR stables. Carson's going to be coming back. He got a win during the World Series, so don't count out Carson. Um, Ruben Caceres in the 77, who should be... Now, if things go bad... um, if things go bad for Brad May, Ruben could be in line to take over the point lead. So we can't count him out yet. We also have, um, I believe it's Kyle Steckley in the 9. Jet Motorsports going to return for the first time in a while at New Smyrna. And then we have Johnny Crash India coming back in the 58. And I did get word that uh, the youngster who drove for Jamie Skinner at Auburndale... I believe it was Martin Fuentes, I believe, is who it was. Am I correct? Yes, Martin Fuentes. He will be there in the 15 for Skinner. So that's a short look at who we expect. Uh, Colby Clements, uh, he was our first one to register. I can't remember if I said his name or not. So there's a solid you know, contingent of drivers. Now, you'll probably get maybe a couple of more with with Armadale running Supers. I don't know that we'll get Tim Sozio. Maybe they'll go over there with with, um, with Webster in the Super. I don't know. Um, you might get a couple more randos. Uh, we do have a Friday practice, so we'll have a better idea. So it may not be the Shark Bite 100 field, but it'll be solid. There's enough different competitors, enough competition for Brad May that it'll be a very interesting event. But of course, they're going to have to beat Brad May. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, super Stocks, Pro Trucks. Bomber and Ground Pounders in action too. So great card of racing after our two-week break for Daytona and uh, our off weekend there for September. So that's what's coming up at New Smyrna. Um, stay tuned to the New Smyrna Facebook pages as we have more entries. I have a couple of more local guys to put out there for you that registered, but I had to get some hype going for the super late model race today. And I've got more, and I had to work today. Today was kind of crazy at work. So got more stuff coming. Stay tuned to the New Smyrna Facebook page. You can stay up to date on who's coming And um, we're only going to tell you who's coming if we know they're coming. So if you don't see somebody, it's because we don't know and they haven't told us. We try to avoid the false advertising thing. So anyway, we'll take our first commercial break, come back and talk about the NASCAR race, the Southern 500 at Darlington over Labor Day weekend. We're going to take a quick moment here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including... American Auto Tires in Service, located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. You can give them a call at 386-428-1941. Of course, that is EJ's company, and if you need anything done, tires, service, you name it, they have you covered. So make sure you stop into American Auto, or of course, you can always get with EJ if you're at New Smyrna. Uh, he, you can find him pretty easily in the tire room or driving the pace car. They have all kinds of great deals. Um, Look, I'm in the market for some tires. I'm going to be stopping in there in the next couple of months to get my tires down there because I wouldn't trust anybody else because I know EJ is going to take care of us. They offer everything from free visual AC checks, tires, maintenance, repairs, any kind of service you need. They even have wheels. So American Auto Tires and Service, your one-stop shop in the New Smyrna area for anything that you need done. So make sure you check them out. Again, 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna, New Smyrna Beach, 386-428-1941. Stopping in and see your friends at American Auto. We also thank DeBerry, Paint & Body for coming on board as a sponsor. Uh, of course, that is the two Manellos. So let's just say you get into a little bit of a fender bender and you don't want to go through your insurance because you know they're probably going to hike up your rates and you're going to pay for deductible and you're still going to have to pay for all this stuff. Make sure you check out Deberry Paint and Body because they will go ahead and handle that for you. If you got a scuffed up fender, if you got some dents in a bumper, if you got a door that needs replaced, Deberry Paint and Body will take care of all of that. Um, they are open until about six o'clock each day. And you can get in touch with them by giving them a call at 386-320-0267. And they are located at 400 Chairman Court. Suite 200 in DeBerry, Florida, 32713. And, again, their hours are typically 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the weekdays and 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturdays because, you know, they got to get out to the racetrack and whatnot. So uh, if you need any body work done, paint, body, whatever you need, make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body. We also thank our good buddy, Mr. Andy Morrison with Never Give Up. Andy is always at the New Smyrna Speedway supporting our racers and even supporting the little ones over at the little new Smyrna Speedway for the quarter midget racing. You can typically find Andy Friday and Saturday at the new Smyrna Speedway. He has some great items for sale and sometimes he gives those items away. He's got all kinds of great things for his, um, for his company. Never give up. He's got plaques. He's got hats. He's got stickers. I know a lot of the bomber guys run the never give up sticker on their car. And and really I think everybody could, could use that message these days. Never give up. Keep doing you, and keep supporting what you love, just like Andy does, and we appreciate his support here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also thank Hank Baker for coming on board as a supporter here with the show. Um, he'll be on for the next uh, next handful of episodes, and we really appreciate him. A really great guy. Um, we miss him in the pit area this year, but uh, if you see Hank, talk with him. He's, he's got some, uh, some great racing knowledge, and it's always a pleasure to be around. We also thank Bromley Motorsports for coming on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, you can primarily find the Bromleys running at New Smyrna Speedway. They have a couple of Bomber B's, the six machines out there for Bromley Motorsports. And they have some pro trucks that they run occasionally as well. Sometimes you can find them out at the dirt tracks having a little bit of fun as well. But we appreciate Bromley Motorsports for coming on board to support the show. So make sure you check them out next time you're at the New Smyrna Speedway. We also thank Jeff White Racing for coming back on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, Jeff White Racing can be found bouncing between the Auburndale Speedway and the New Smyrna Speedway. Jeffrey White, driver of the 41 Emod slash Amod, has been one of the dominant forces. So, if you're looking to get on board with a good racing team, make sure you check out Jeff White Racing and check them out at the Bull Ring at Auburndale and the big track over at the New Smyrna Speedway. We thank them for coming back on board and supporting the show. We appreciate everybody's support. And again, if you'd like to come on board as an anchor sponsor, um, you can do that. If you'd like to just be a supporter like our friends Hank and and Ken, Doug, Fast Cracker Racing, Andy, you name it, uh, you can do that too. We charge just $5 an episode. The amount of episodes is up to you. You can do a year. You can do 10 episodes. You can do one. It all helps, and we appreciate it greatly. Thank you guys for your support, and we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the second segment of the show here. We're going to take a little bit and talk about the Southern 500 from Darlington, our new old Labor Day tradition. So always glad to have this race back at the Labor Day portion of the schedule versus where it was before. Glad this race is still 500 miles. I love a good long race. And this race played out pretty much how I thought. Um, Pretty clean and not too much to talk about in the first two stages. Denny Hamlin had the dominant car and won the first two stages. I was watching this one over at my mom's, and uh, she's, not, she's not big in a race, and she doesn't hate it. She doesn't follow it. Uh, she can tolerate it. And she was like, man, he's just leading everything. He's going to stink up the race. And I kept saying, I'm like, ah, this race is so long, there's usually a turning point. Something usually happens to the guy who dominates. I mean, look at Truex in the spring. Um, he got wrecked out, uh, looking back to last year, Truex and Kyle Busch were dominant, Blue Motors, and usually something happens to open the door for somebody else to kind of sneak in there. So, of course, this race did have that moment, and it actually had two significant moments. And I love this race being the playoff opener, because it's it's long, it's tough, it's gritty. There's always opportunity for somebody, in multiple somebodies, to have issues that kind of stir up the playoff pot just a little bit and this race definitely did that to some extent now the, the guys that came in with the playoff point advantage they're they're not feeling the sting as much as some of the other guys like Michael McDowell I think he's already in must-win territory after getting involved in the crash it really wasn't his own doing um, a couple of guys towards the bottom had decent runs but still have some work to do so we'll kind of recap all that let's talk about the race. As I mentioned earlier, Denny Hamlin, the dominant car of the day, led 177 laps. But in one of the late pit stops towards the end, he came in, pit stop looked okay, and then I noticed that when he came back out and was chasing down, I think, Tyler Reddick at the time, I saw him go on the back straight away, going into three, and kind of bobbled just a bit, and I was like, well, that didn't look normal, and the commentators didn't see it. And then two laps later, think I got a loose wheel, I'm coming in, Denny Pitts, And I'm like, yeah, if he's got a loose wheel, he's probably wobbling the car to see if he could feel which one it was, to see if it, you know, really was loose. And then he comes in and pits, and the crew's kind of like, we don't really have a loose wheel, we're not sure. And um, a lot of people are saying, well, if it wasn't a loose wheel, what was it? And the only thing I could think of, maybe an improperly balanced tire, perhaps. I don't know for sure. I don't know if, if something has come out about it. I haven't seen it. That would be my guess, my uneducated guess, maybe. Um, But, yeah, that took Denny out of contention, had to pit. Long green flag runs were kind of the name of the game on uh, Sunday night. And Denny finished 25th. But, again, he has those playoff points, and he did win two stages, which gives him two more playoff points for the next round and 20 extra additional points for the race. So his 25th-place finish doesn't hurt as much as, you know – Michael McDowell's 32nd place finish where he crashed out. So, um, Denny kind of was able to mitigate the bleeding, if you will. Uh, the, one of the bigger wrecks of the night involved Denny Hamlin, which is what helped him finish in that position is actually the final wreck of the night. Um, Todd Gillen went around, Denny got involved in it, came up, and got into the 34 of McDowell, destroyed McDowell's car. Christopher Bell, who started on the pole, led some laps early. His night went from good to bad, uh, like it was a gradient of good to bad all night long. So Christopher was involved. The big turning point of the race, though, happened on one of the money stops on lap, I believe is 3.11 or so. Kevin Harvick, who is in contention, he's battling with Tyler Reddick for the lead, he's closing in on Tyler, coming into the pit stop. Kevin decides he's going to pit, he's going to out-pit Reddick. So he's he comes in. He's going to short pit and try to get back ahead of Tyler on the racetrack, get that track position for pitting early. And as he's pitting, Tyler Reddick, he's trying to woe his car up. because He's like, oh, no, we need to come in. He was way too late. He wasn't going to make the commitment box. but he slows up, and here's Ryan Newman in the 51 who comes flying up and has to get on his brakes and ends up spinning out. So as Ryan Newman is spinning out, the, uh, the lights come on to close pit road, and Kevin Harvick is in a... Damned if you do, damned if you don't position because there was not enough time, not enough space when the pits were closed Because the caution was out for Harvick who was committed to pit to turn out of the commitment zone and get back on the track. So Harvick ended up pitting under a closed pit road. Now he could have driven through and just lost the track position but the field was kind of spread out so he wouldn't have lost too much track position but they decided to pit. So he had to go to the tail of the longest line for the restart and that took him out of contention. I really thought... Harvick was in position to win the race or at least a top three, you know, cause you, you just, you never know what's going to happen as they keep going, but he was in prime position to win that caution comes out as he's ready to make what could have been the race winning move. Tyler Reddick reacts uh, poorly in my opinion and causes a caution. Harvick gets screwed and finishes 19th and he doesn't have many playoff points to play with. So Harvick's night, you know, went from a potential race winning night to a, you know, mid pack run. So that was the, the, Other big turning point other than Denny's, you know, loose wheel fiasco. Another big thing to talk about was the accident between Daniel Suarez and Alex Bowman. Bowman trying to block Suarez. They get together going into one, collect Harrison Burton. A lot of people saying, oh, you should be able to block in NASCAR. This ain't F1. This isn't another thing that NASCAR needs to have their fingers on and and point out, you know, make decisions about it. something else. So um, definitely... They saved all the wild wrecks for for the end. That's for sure. But the final 31 laps did go green after the accident with with Hamlin and McDowell and uh, the the 20 of Bell. Uh, this kind of turned the race over to Kyle Larson, who was able to get in position, got a good restart, and he was able to hold off Tyler Reddick, who was driving the wheels off the 45. Um, And again, these cars are so aero-sensitive, and Darlington is such a tight racetrack. There's not a lot of space for you to get out of the wake of the car in front of you. So really, Kyle Larson was able to kind of hold him at bay. Reddick overdrove, used up his stuff, and Kyle Larson was able to... It was dramatic for the first 10 or 15 laps. You thought maybe there was a chance Reddick had a better car, but obviously in the dirty air and pushing it too much, used it up, wasn't able to get there, and Kyle Larson wins his first Southern 500. And while Larson's not my favorite driver... Um, You know, he's been so close in this race and so close in these crown jewels. Um, You know, definitely deserving of winning one. Uh, I think Larson's going to be a a Final Four competitor for sure and definitely deserved this win and has moved himself into the next round. Uh, He's locked in no matter what happens at Kansas or Bristol, which are two pretty crazy racetracks. So he will move into the round of 12 and he'll take five more playoff points with him to that round. So Kyle Larson in good shape as we continue on third win of the season and really the second win that he's had at the expense of Kevin Harvick. Harvick looked like he was going to win Phoenix. Late race caution comes out. Larson gets the track position, Larson wins. Um and then this week Harvick maybe with the race winning move with the pit uh strategy. Caution comes out as he's pitting, puts him in the back. Larson able to capitalize and hold off Reddick. So um, kind of interesting. There, it was an interesting kind of slow burn of a race, and I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I do have the score for it. Not the highest-scored race in the world, but I, I enjoyed it, okay? Um, again, Kyle Larson with the win, third of the season, able to hold off Tyler Reddick. Good start to his playoffs. A lot of people have him written off already. Chris Busher continues to have a great summer stretch here. Uh, he finished third. He's got three wins in the last six races, now a third place, finished to go along with it. William Byron, he's been solid all year. Winner at Darlington earlier this year, finished fourth. Ross Chastain, heck of a drive for him. We talked about um, good drives earlier in the show. Ross Chastain, you got to add him to the list. He was dog meat. He was a lap down early in the race. Looked like he was going to be just terrible all day. Ends up fifth in the final rankings, so playoff driver with a good run, making the most out of nothing. Started 27th. Brad Kozlowski, solid day. Ran in the you know fifth to tenth range much of the race, came home sixth. Bubba Wallace in the top five late actually slipped down to seventh, but a good start to his playoffs. I think he's still on the outside looking in because he doesn't have playoff points. So he didn't, he was behind the eight ball to begin with. But a seventh place run with Kansas coming up. He won there last year and he's okay at Bristol. So Bubba Wallace could be a bracket buster. We'll see. Chase Elliott, not in the playoffs, but in the owners' championship. He's eighth. Uh, Ryan Blaney was ninth. Eric Jones, last year's winner, backed it up with a solid run. I think he was up to like 3rd or 4th uh, in the middle stages of the race and came home with a 10th, and it was Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, A.J. Allmendinger with a respectable run in 13th. Eric Almarola, Chase Briscoe, your top 15. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., a mid-pack run, but 16th for him, keeps him in the running to make the round of 12. And we had Carson Hosevar. Martin Truax struggled all night. They just didn't have it. They battled for an 18th-place finish. I mean, they took a 25th-place car and finished 18th with it is what they did. And then, of course, you had Kevin Harvick, Austin Hill in the top 20. Other notable playoff drivers, Christopher Bell involved in the wreck and a couple scrapes of the wall. He was 23rd. Denny Hamlin, 25th. And then uh, looking down the list here, Michael McDowell in 32nd. So that's how the night played out at Darlington. And looking at the playoff standings, so in right now with the win of course is Kyle Larson. The guys on the bubble are Michael McDowell who may be in you know got a win territory. I think he's in trouble in 16th. Ricky Stenhouse is 15th. 14th for Kevin Harvick, 13th for Bubba. Hanging on to the 12th and final transfer spot is Christopher Bell. He is one spot up on but one point up on Bubba Wallace, two points up on Kevin Harvick and Four points up on Ricky Stenhouse. So the bubble is tight. Joey Logano's only two points ahead of Christopher Bell. So from 11th to 15th, we're talking uh, six points. So it's very close. Only 10 points between 10th and 15th. So the bubble's going to be tight. Of course, a win, if you're still alive, a win will transfer you to the next round. So nobody's out of it. Michael McDowell, not out of it. But he's got to pull out a win at either Kansas or Bristol or... Hope some drivers have some mega meltdowns here. So we'll see how that all plays out. Kansas coming up next week, one of my favorite mile-and-a-half tracks. Super great race earlier this year. And uh, we'll see how that plays out. Let me pull up the score here for the race. I did sit down and score it earlier today. And if I can find the right damn thing, I'm all over the place with my phone here. Here's the score for the race. So the racing, I gave it a 7. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. Uh, Excitement, a 7. Um, you know, the race had its moments, but it wasn't, you know, burner. wasn't the best Southern 500 ever, but it wasn't the worst. The finish, I gave it a six. Um, uh, there was moments there with, you know, about 20 to go where Redick was hounding Larson, but I just, with about 20 to go, I kind of figured unless there was a caution or some crazy sequences, it was over and it was. So the finish gets a six. Um, I think we only had 18 lead changes in this 500 mile race. The, it wasn't, it wasn't a competitive race for the lead, so, let me just double-check that, guys. 13, oh, wow, 13 lead changes. I was way off. That's even worse than I thought. Um, so, that scores a 5 in enjoyment and 8. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Southern 500. The race didn't suck. It just, it had bursts of excitement, but the sustained, like, oh, this is awesome factor wasn't quite there. But, overall, the race is going to score a 6.6. So, not, uh, not the best there. And that brings us, overall, to a 6.6. on the season with all the races combined. Now, before we take a break, uh, because I don't want the third segment to be just a mash of numbers and driver names, um, I'll give you my updated power rankings as we look forward to Kansas this weekend. uh, Race two of the round of 16 for the playoffs. Moving into 15th, not ranked the last couple of weeks, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I, I, Again, I like his position. He's not out of it yet. Uh, he moves. He jumps Michael McDowell. He'll move into 15th. Michael McDowell will fall out. Christopher Bell. Tough day for him after qualifying on the pole. He drops three spots to 14th. Kevin Harvick. I had to drop him a spot. He showed that he still has it. If he had won the race, man, or finished top three and put himself in a better spot, we're talking top 10 for Kevin, but he drops one spot to 13th. Joey Logano. I dropped him four spots. Yeah, he finished 12th, but he got outdueled by Kyle Busch on the final lap. He's right there in bubble chaos zone. Not showing the speed right now. I dropped him from 8th to 12th. I think I had him too high after Daytona. So he dropped to 12th. Ross Chastain with a great run, great recovery. I need to see more. I need to see consistency out of him. So I've only bumped him up two spots to 11th. Bubba Wallace, he impressed me. Now he finished 7th, but Bubba at Darlington finishing 7th and putting himself in position. I mean, he's in bubble chaos zone as well, but he put himself in a good spot. He was up four spots to 10th, going into a track that he won at last year. Ryan Blaney, he will pick up one spot. He jumps to ninth. Kyle Busch, down one spot to eighth. And you'll know why here in a minute. Brad Kozlowski, down one spot to seventh. Up three spots. Tyler Reddick, he he jumps to sixth. I needed to see this kind of race out of Tyler Reddick, uh, a race he contended to win, a race he ran well at. He didn't just fall into the second-place finish. He was up there all night. So he jumps three spots to sixth. Denny Hamlin down one spot to fifth with the incident. William Byron down one spot to fourth. And we'll find out why these guys have dropped here in a second. Chris Buescher drops from second to third. And that's because Kyle Larson leapfrogged him. He moves from fifth to second. And Martin Truex Jr. is still going to hang on to the top spot. He was mediocre, to say the least. As I said, he took a 25th place car and finished, what, 18th with it? Um, Why is he number one in the power rankings? Because he has shown to be the most consistent car this year. A a, a wrinkle here, a bad race here. But you look at Kyle Larson, feast or famine. He feasted this week. Will he keep it up next week at Kansas? I don't know. He almost won there last race in the spring before he got in that battle with Hamlin and, and spun out on the final lap. So I think he still finished second, though. So these guys next week, we could see a new man at the top. Larson, if he continues this run, he'll be at the top. If Truex continues to struggle, he might drop. But for now, he remains first because he's still, in my opinion, the best car this season. So that's where we are with the NASCAR Power Rankings. And that is my look back at, you know, a decent Southern 500. Uh, again, a race that, you know, maybe in 10 years you forget about. But one that if you sat around watching it on Sunday night with nothing to do, then you you probably enjoyed the, the, the way it unfolded. Now, like I said, slow burn to get to the excitement, but... The big moments. I mean, when when Harvick, when that pit stop moment happened, and I my, my mom didn't understand what, what was happening, and I made a big deal out of it. And she's like, I don't, the car just spun out. What's the big deal? And the, just the way that flipped the race. That those are the kind of moments that change a race that set up, you know, what's actually going to happen to the checkered flag. So that was cool. And uh, Kansas next week. Uh, next Sunday is going to be a crazy one. I've got quarter midgets in the morning. It is the start of the NFL um, football season uh, for for you know regular Sundays. Uh, I believe I have company for the Dolphin game. So I don't know when I'm going to watch the cup race. I might have to put the cup race off, um, try to stay off social media on Sunday and watch the race Monday while I work or something. But um, anyways, we'll cover it next week. We'll see what happens at Kansas. Always excited for Kansas. It has proven to be one of the best mile-and-a-half tracks on the schedules that's coming up next week. We'll take our second commercial break here. Come back for the third and final segment before we get out of here for the evening. Hey everyone. Want to take a few moments here to thank some of our great sponsors here at the racing with Ryan podcast, including our good friends over at Schultz engineered products and Schultz racing fuel cells. If you're in the market for a new racing fuel cell for your vehicle, make sure you check out Schultz fuel cells, They're designed and manufactured in the United States to be safer, longer lasting, and they will outperform all other fuel cells that you can get your hands on. Also, they specialize in their fuel recovery systems. You can save on your fuel expenses, significant maintenance reductions, along with a safer working environment, better for the actual environment, the outside environment, and it'll eliminate your fuel disposal fees. Those are just some of the products that Schultz Engineer Products focuses on, and you can check them out. On the web at schultzproducts.com, you give them a call at 732-922-4334, or for email inquiries, you can reach out to them at info at schultzproducts.com. That's info at schultzproducts.com, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, Schultz Engineered Products. We welcome them as one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Make sure you check out their website, schultzproducts.com, for everything that they offer. And hey, if you're racing and you want to stay safe, get one of their fuel cells installed on your race car. You will not regret it. We also thank SRQ Taxes in Sarasota, Florida. We know tax season has come and gone, but guess what? It's never too early to get a head start on next year or to start thinking about next year. And hey, if you have any issues with your taxes or, you know, you're looking to get a hold of somebody that can help out your business, check out srqtaxes.com. Click on their services portal and you can see everything that they offer from accounting software selection, audits, compliance, bookkeeping, business consulting. Um, they do estate and trusts. They do financial analysis, statements, IRS representation in case you have any issues. They even have a notary public on hand for all of those documents that you might need notarized. And of course, tax preparation and planning. So make sure you check out srqtaxes.com located in Sarasota, Florida, or you can uh Get with Steve Darling at the Auburndale Speedway. He'll be happy to help you out. SRQ Taxes coming on board as another one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also thank 124 Welding and Fabrication. That's our good buddy, Ron D'Alessandro. Had a great run in the 602 class a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we really appreciate him being on board. Of course, uh, just like it says, welding and fabrication. That's what he specializes in. If you need anything welded up, get with Ron if you uh, need something fabbed get with Ron as well, he will help you out. You can also check out his Etsy store because he makes all kinds of great metalworking, uh, which make great decorations. We have the Racing with Ryan podcast logo and emblem here in the studio. Looking at it as we record right now, it makes a, you know, it'll complement any room, anything you're looking for. He can do custom stuff, but you can also check him out on Etsy. If you look, if you go to Etsy.com. And search 124 Welding and Fab. It'll come right up. You can check out the great products he has available, or you can reach out, contact him for anything specific. Again, that's 124 Welding and Fab. Check them out on Etsy. We also have a a couple of supporters that we would like to thank. Of course, um, we have our anchor sponsors, and then we have those that just support the show. And we got to thank Ken Copley. Of course, he is our EMOD sponsor, but we want to thank him for his support here as well. And Doug Samian from Do All Lawn and Tree. Um, That's his company, but he uh, he appreciates the show and appreciates what we do, so we appreciate him. So thank you to all of our great anchor sponsors and our supporters here with the Racing with Ryan podcast. Now, we'll let you get back to the show. All right, welcome back, everybody. Third and final segment here, we're going to go around the state. Uh, We're going to look at the... Racing with Ryan podcast playoff bracket challenge. We'll look at the season long fantasy. I'm going to start with the Florida power rankings. Not much has changed here after I reviewed the weekend that was. So real quickly, I'm going to just say this and get it out of the way. George Spears is still 12th. Dylan Lebo is still 11th. Sean Bass still 10th. Steve Gill still ninth. TJ Decare, despite the pro late model win, again the field just wasn't there. He's still eighth. Michael Goddard still seventh. Brad May. Looking to move maybe up this weekend if he can win again. He's still sixth. Brandon Morris, he drops one spot to fifth. George Gorham drops the spot to fourth. Moving up to third is Tim Sozio. Uh, Tim finished second in the Prolated Auburn Hill again. The field wasn't there, but then he went and hopped in the sportsman car, went over to Showtime, and I believe, we'll confirm this here in a few minutes, but I believe he finished second over there as well. So he moves up to third behind Daniel Webster and behind... Cody Stickler. So Webster and Stickler still 1 2. I think what I might do, I might do the Florida Power Rankings a little bit differently next year because it's so hard to look at who's race and who didn't race and think about all that. I think I might do like track specific top five prospects next year or top six. I don't know. Let me know if you think that would be more interesting so we can give each track a little bit more of a spotlight versus because. I mean, Citrus hasn't run a normal event in forever. Auburndale was off for two months. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll do that. You know, I have like a new Smyrna Prospects, Showtime Prospects, um, Auburndale and Citrus, maybe Five Flags too, if I if get a hair up my butt. So I'm thinking about that for next year to keep this uh, a little bit more interesting. Um, so with that said, all the power rankings out of the way. The scores are out of the way. So let's take a look before we dive into the fantasy stuff. I'm going to go around the state here real quick and look at what went down. Showtime ran Sunday night. They had their Labor Day Spectacular big fireworks show that Yoho put on. I was talking to uh, Matt. He let us know it was a crazy, long, just heck of a night. So let's take a look at what happened here based on the results. Of course, I don't have any insight. Um, You can tune into the Hot Mike every Wednesday, or you can go watch it after the fact. Uh, Hot Mike Florida Racing get a little bit more in-depth from uh, the announcers around the state with uh, with yours truly as one of the, the hosts there. Uh, Colton Bettis was the winner of the 360 wings sprint cars. Uh, he beat Dude Teat, Daniel Miller, Dylan Reynolds, and Scotty Edema. That was the top five in a 13-car field, so not bad there. Uh, heat Race wins went to Scotty Edema and Bruce Brantley. They ran the Ford A or Ford Oval A Division. So a lot of Crown Vicks out. They, man, oh man, they had 30 Crown Vicks for this show. 30. Now, a good number of these guys were able to make it from Auburndale over to there. So um, what a turnout. But it was the Wilsons who came out on top. Dustin Wilson, the winner, started 22nd, by the way. So you can freaking pass here, I'll tell you that. Uh, Dennis Wilson came home second. Uh, Sean Moore was third. Austin Ramsey, fourth. I'll give you the top 10 here. Rick Hanley was fifth, sixth for Josh Ryan. Wyatt Shepard was seventh, eighth for Colin Carpenter. Chance Saucerman and Tyler Akers, ninth and tenth. They pulled double duty this weekend. I'm gonna see if there's any other notables here. Uh Buckshot Mexner, he was down in the eighteenth spot. We've talked about him a lot. Trevor Appling, 20th. Um, Dalton DeGroff, 25th. Yeah, yeah. Seems like a pretty standard Crown Vic race. Not sure how much action there was in that one, but uh, a lot of cars. I'm sure there were some bent fenders and some mad people. Figure 8, or Outlaw Figure 8s. Uh, they only had 5 of them, so I guess they did a dash race. Shane Grigsby won that over Ronnie Abney, Sean Moore. Jesse Dutille made a Figure 8 start in the 45 car, and then Robert Yoho, 5th. Sportsman. Nine car. Man, they only got 9 cars. Last time they had a Sportsman race, they had a, like 20. It was awesome. But, hey, nine cars, sportsmen on a small track, they'll take it. Dodge Carlberg got the win over Tim Sozio, so I was correct. So, you know, it was a little generous for Tim moving him up, but he's been a hell of a wheelman this year. He and Daniel Webster are on to something. Uh, Garrett Larson was third, fourth for Brad Bowman, L.J. Grimm fifth, Jeff Gilbo sixth, seventh for Rich Anderson, Kit McVeigh eighth, and Chris Huntoon Rounding out your field. Qualifying top qualifier was Tim Sozio, 14.739. So two fast times for Tim in two second places this week. Legends cars also ran. And wouldn't you know, Evan Bookmiller doubles up on the weekend, one at Auburndale, one at Showtime. He held off Jared Hawley, Cameron White, Anastasia Markovic, Philip Vest, Ryan Hino, George Ingram, Scott Hawley, David Furtado, Cole Worcester in a field of 11. Heat races went to Cameron White and Jared Hino. So I'm seeing a lot of, I'm sorry, Jared Hawley. Um, got my Jared's mixed up. Seeing a lot of uh, crossover, a lot of double duty there. Bandoleros, uh, six car field. Much of these drivers were at uh, Auburndale the night before. So glad to see that we could share. Uh, Bryson Carlberg got the win in the Bandoleros to make up for his tough run at Auburndale. Gerald White was second, third for Joseph Weiss. Sadie Parsons, Heath Hynote, and Tinsley Myers running out your field. And, of course, they had the fireworks. So, again, I heard it was a long and crazy night. And, and I guess a lot of that long and crazy must have been the 30-car uh, Ford Oval Division race and probably some stuff with with figure eights and sprint cars. So, um, and, and, again, I I, I record this a couple of days before it comes out because I got to edit. And I'm, I should get it out earlier, but maybe next year. Yeah. Um, Definitely curious to hear Matt's thoughts on this, on the hot mic show. So if you want to know more in depth about what went down other than just who finished where, then tune into the hot mic and hear from Matt. So that is showtime. And I want to take a few moments here and go look at what went down on the high banks in Barry, Vermont at Thunder Road international speed bowl. They had their labor day classic 200 laps for the premier ACT late model division where they had 32 cars show up. I was not able to watch this live. It happened Sunday afternoon. But of course, uh, just browsing Facebook, I saw that uh, some things happened. I saw cars upside down. What I didn't see is how they got there or who specifically... Well, I, I, I noticed one car right away, but didn't notice who the other guy was. So I knew there was reason to watch this. So when I got home from my mom's yesterday... Um, got the baby to bed unpacked the car took the trash out sat down and started watching all four and a half hours of Thunder Road so uh, and, and again I had no idea when these events or when these dramatic moments happened but I knew I needed to see it I needed to be talk about it on the show uh, two flips in the late models it's seldom you see a late model flip now Thunder Road used to flip two or three cars a night back before they put the, the walls all the way around where now people are a little bit less ballsy and there's a little bit less space to race, so they're a little more careful, I guess, is how you could put it. A um, front straightaway wall there at Thunder Road, known as the Widowmaker, it's not exactly straight up and down, a little perpendicular to the racetrack. So if you hit it just right, it kind of acts as a ramp. And it ramped two cars. And we haven't seen it all year. It's it's barely happened all year. And it got two different guys on Sunday. One was in the Constellation Qualifier, and... Um, Jason Gammon in the 25 main. This guy, in my opinion, he was driving like a a dummy anyway. Um, He got into a couple of guys, and I was like, man, this guy's driving way over his head, coming to the checkers in a consie where everybody qualifies. It's just for qualifying position. He gets into Derek Gluchaki, puts Derek up on the wall, and Jason hit it like at the worst angle you could. It was like a 45-degree angle, and it just picked the car up on its side and flopped it on its roof. And therefore... Jason was unable to start the main event. It also ended Derek's day. Derek appeared to win a heat race and then was DQ'd for being too low through technical inspection. So, after the crash, uh, he was unable to start. So, 30 cars took the green in the Labor Day Classic, and then we saw probably the highlight of the year, the biggest wreck of the year. About I can't remember. It was it was super late at night, uh, but it was in the the last quarter of the race. Jaden Perry went for a wild ride. Uh, the 17 to Daryl Morin, he scraped the wall, spun out. And then behind him, Jaden Perry also got into the wall. And again, he got up on the wall and rode it down the front straightaway. And it eventually put him up on his side, flopped him over. And then he was upside down and rolled into the tire barrier that they have on the wall that protects the pit entrance. Now, I mentioned earlier in the show, if you're still with me, we talk about pit entries and exits again. This one... It's tough, man. Thunder Road has a an exit and an entry for the late models and the Tigers off in turn number one. And they have an exit for the Street Stocks and the Warriors off the back straightaway. So they have two openings. And there's no perfect way to have an opening at a racetrack. New Smyrna, again, no perfect opening. There's a crossover gate, and then there's a gap in turn four. It's probably the best-case scenario, but again, you can't get out of the Speedway while the race is green. Here you can get out of the speedway, but that means that there's going to be bad angles and bad spots. And I saw I posted the Jaden Perry crash where he goes upside down into the he's he he flew over the tires. He hit the tires and they flipped him over. A lot of people saying, Well, that's a bad spot for that that wall. Is it imperfect? Absolutely. When they put that wall up, that spot was going to be imperfect no matter what they did. The best thing they could do is put the tires. We've seen cars hit that, that spot. And they bounce off the tires and, and instead of bouncing off concrete. So it's a lot better than what it could be. Back in the day, there was like 10 feet of runoff up there and then a ditch. And if you went off that ditch, you were usually Sidewinder upside down, Eggbeater flipping off the corner. Um, now, it's it's tough to see because the view, like the 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 wide shot is of the 17 spinning out And then you see Perry roll into the frame and hit the tires, and then you see the spectacular, you know, pirouettes up in the air as then he comes down uh, off the top, uh, basically off the berm. He flipped over the wall is what he did into into the runoff pit area. So what you don't see right away is that he was already upside down when he hits the tires. If you freeze frame it, you can see that he comes into the tire barrier upside down. So the tires didn't cause him to flip. He was already upside down. He rode the wall, the wall flipped him over and sent him over into the tire barriers. Now, I'm telling you, if those tires were not there, if that, if they never put the wall up there, he's going to hit the grass probably upside down and continue to flip egg beater style into the pits and maybe hit those extra haulers that were down there for the mini stocks. So I think it would have been a lot worse. So I think honestly, even though that wall, it's a rough spot, you don't want to hit it. It, it's probably the best design they could have come up with for a poor spot to have an opening. But they had to have an opening. That's where the late models tie... That's where the cars exit the speedway, period. So it's a quarter-mile track. There's there's no way around it. So um, when they decided to put the wall up, that's just the necessary evil of what they had to do. But honestly, the way they have the, des- the wall design now, you don't go just straight on into that wall that's over by the 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 tower, the VIP tower over there anymore. So it's listen, that place has changed so much over the course of the last five years or so and so much since I went there as a kid. And yeah, that spot is rough, but I think they've they've done the best that they possibly could with it given the design issues that they were going to have putting a wall all the way around that speedway. So um yeah, definitely a crazy visual of, of Perry upside down into the tires, flipping up into the air, and then landing. I think it was, I can't remember at this point. I've seen it like a thousand times, but I can't remember. I think he landed on his roof. I could be wrong. No, I think it landed on his wheels and then towed off the wall. Yeah, he, he was lucky to land on his wheels. But yeah, definitely the craziest wreck of the season so far. Uh, last year's crazy wreck was the the two of um, Donahue who flipped while he won the race, caught fire upside down. And this year it's, Perry going upside down off the wall and rolling into the tire barrier and then over the tire barrier into the grass behind the wall. Some crazy stuff. Um, as far as the races go, uh Bobby Therion in, in the 14 or the five, depending on where you're looking. Uh, he got the victory. Uh, he was subbing for Phil Scott throughout the season when the governor had to not, he was not able to race because of the disasters in Vermont. Bobby filled in for him and put a 14 on his car, but you can tell Bobby wasn't uh Given his all, he saved his best for the Labor Day Classic and got the victory over Marcel Gravel. Just another great run. And then Caden Fisher came home third. So two young, up-and-coming drivers, second and third in the ACT 200. Uh, Then it was Chris Pelkey, fourth. Tanner Wardard, a rookie driver, hasn't raced. uh, I think he's been racing more at White Mountain than at Thunder Road. Uh, He finished in fifth. Cody Blake was sixth. Kyle Kyle Pembroke, seventh. Gabe Brown was eighth, ninth for Jason Corliss, and tenth for DJ Shaw out of the 30-car field. Jimmy Renfro Jr. was there. I think he won the Heat, finished 18th. We saw him at Speed Weeks this year. It was pretty cool. Let's see. Flying Tigers. Hell of a finish for the second week in a row. Matt Ballard gets spun across the line in the 33 to pick up his apparent first career victory, but he was disqualified for an illegal clutch assembly, and that handed the win to Cooper French in the four. That is a first-time winner. So all in all, we get a first-time winner in the Tigers with Cooper French. Tyler Pepin, his best run of the year, in second. Kevin Streeter, third. Robert Gordon, fourth. Jason Pelkey, fifth. Cam Ouellette, in sixth. And Brandon Gray, seventh. Colin Cornell, eighth. Sam Karen, I think he was the point leader coming in. He was ninth. And Cam Gadju, the top ten for the Tigers in a 21-car field. RK Miles Street Stocks, Tom Peck, caused a big wreck at the beginning of the race, uh, took out the point leader, as a matter of fact. I think seven, eight cars were involved in the, in the wreck early in the race. But, A guy who's a mid-pack guy, been struggling for four or five years to get up there and be competitive, picked up his first career win. So congratulations to him. He held off Hayden Pierce, Trevor Jakes, Tyler Whittemore, Mike McCaskill, the top five, followed by Jesse Lecare, Parker Gagne, Todd Ramo, Dean Switzer, and Patrick Tibbetts, the top ten. Again, the point leader coming in to the night was James Dopp, and he gets credited with a 23rd place finish, and that's going to shake up the points as we get into the final couple of races of their season which will conclude with the Milk Bowl at the end of September. Uh, The Road Warriors, they brought a big field of cars, and they had, what, 23? Yeah, 23 cars. And we saw the 26 of Corey Martin, who's been super fast. He hit those tire barriers pretty hard. And again, knocked a radiator out, but he'll probably be back the next week. Frank Putney got the win over Nate Bryan, Casey Murphy, Neil Foster, Ben Bushy. All the the top stars were in the top five in that one. And they had the Mighty Mini Stock Tour, which are very similar to our Mod Minis here down south. Um, same idea. A little bit uglier, but same idea. Uh, they had 12 show up and ran 30 laps. Corey LeBlanc, I'm sorry, Cody LeBlanc got the win over Cody Sabins, Kevin Bouchard, Matt LeBlanc, and Jeffrey Martin, the top five, on a, uh, a special race there, a special appearance for the Mighty Mini Stock Tour. So that was the Labor Day Classic. Again, if you have flow and you've got four hours to waste, go watch it. Pretty good racing, some wild moments for sure. Um, And I did put the – I did – you know, I've recorded it from my TV, so it's not the best stuff. It's not framed up well. It's not the best quality. But I put it up there so you could all see why I'm obsessed with this place. So that's what happened at Thunder Road. Two more things, and then we'll get the hell out of here. Another good episode of the show. Looking back at our bracket challenge, our playoff bracket challenge again – $65, uh, sixty-five dollars. That's the pot if everybody is able to actually pay up. Um, I, I just want to read the first names of everybody that's in, in case I miss somebody. If you don't hear your name and you have sent me a bracket, um, there's a good good chance I I missed maybe somebody. Um, I'm gonna go back and double check everything as we continue on with the the second race. But the driver or the drivers, the people I have signed in so far. Uh, and again, it's closed because the playoffs have started. But we have Hunter, we have Colby. We have Margo, we have Ryan, we have Kenny, who hopefully will be back with us next week. We have uh, Austin H, we have Jason, uh, we have Jason, we have Austin G, we have Bob, we have Chris, we have Brandon, we have Michelle, and we have Cole. If you didn't hear your name, please let me know. I'm sure I have. Uh, if you sent me your bracket, I have it either in my text or my my messenger, and I'll just have to I just overlook something. But those are the names I have. Written down with your brackets. Um, Again, please make sure you get the money to me. I know I've talked to a couple of people. I've got to set up a a Venmo or whatever, and and I'll do that here this week. The weekend got away from me. I'll set that up. I'll I'll click the money from you. It's not a big deal. Um, Those are who we have in, and I looked over everybody's bracket just to make sure. Because basically, after the first race, unless you don't have Kyle Larson moving on, then everybody's still alive. And only one person, poor Michelle... Did not have Kyle Larson moving on. She took a swing. You know, you got to be different sometimes. Michelle took a swing and did not have Kyle Larson advancing to the round of 12, which, again, that's a a bold statement. But Kyle Busch and Tyler Reddick, who had multiple wins last year, didn't make the next round. So it's always possible. But Larson wins. He's in. So if you didn't have Larson in, you're out. So, Michelle, sorry. Thanks for playing. Everybody else still alive. And we'll see how that goes. I'm sure a lot of people don't have Bubba moving on to the next round. He might be making you a little bit nervous. He's making me nervous. So um, I plan to share our brackets that, that Kenny and have, uh, Kenny and I have this week, but I'll wait for him to get back on the show, and we'll do that next week. As uh, We're already running kind of long on this one as it is. A lot to talk about on a holiday weekend. So let me pop on in and see how we did on the Racing with Ryan podcast NASCAR fantasy deal here. This is different from the bracket challenge. Uh ah, fantasy. I'm getting better at this. I'm getting faster at pulling this stuff up. I swear I could pull it up and then I would go into it and it wouldn't be there. It's taking its sweet time to get up again. This is our season-long fantasy challenge. we got a good group. We've uh, got a bunch of regular podcast listeners on here, and this damn thing will not load up very fast. Um, so we'll see. I know a lot of us struggled in Daytona. Let's see how we fared this week. It has is, it is taken its sweet-ass time. To load here. Okay. League. I apologize, man. This thing's being super slow. If you made it to this point in the show, I appreciate you. So again, as soon as this wants to load, I'll let you know. It's it's trying. Here it comes. All right. So let's see how we did this week in the uh in the Racing with Ryan podcast fantasy league. King Penguin, the winner, by just two points over Bubba Wallace, 23XI, 235-233. Uh, to 233. Bob's Fords was third with 215, 8-Ball Racing, fourth with 196. Richie Petty, fifth with 194. I was sixth with 181. it was Staffordshire Motorsports, Bomber 93, Big Timpin, and Ben Say, the top 10. So let me see if I can get the overall to come up, and then I'll give you my five picks for Kansas. We'll get out of here. John Gross, Bomber 93, still the leader with 5,062 points. He's pulling away, folks. Bob's Ford's in second, 4,929. But Wallace, 23xi, that's our buddy Steve from SRQ Taxes. He's third, uh, 4,856. Staffordshire Motorsports is fourth with 4,840. Big Timpin is fifth with 4,816. I sigh because I just saw where I'm at. Or Petty is 6th with 4,734. I'm down in 7th with 4,712. That's Pitt Penguin, 8-ball racing, King Penguin, the top 10 in the overall standings. We've had a couple people who have counted their losses and have not really been playing lately, but that's the way she goes sometimes. John Gross, still the leader. We'll see if he can hang on and win this thing. So moving into Kansas, um, five drivers that uh, I think you should definitely have in your lineup. I'm actually going to pull up. Uh, well, I'll give you three right off the bat. Bubba Wallace, for sure. Take a bet on him. He has been lights out of Kansas, winner of this race a year ago. And looking back at the last Kansas race, you, you got to have Denny Hamlin. You got to have Kyle Larson. Bubba was fourth in in the spring, so it wasn't a fluke. I would say got to have Bubba, Bubba, you got to have Denny, got to have Kyle Larson, William Byron, and the fifth guy, Martin Truex, I'd say the wild card this week chase elliott i i just think i think chase is gonna win a race for the season's out yeah it's a lost season for him but i think he gets a win so those are the drivers that i would bet on just a little just to get you a little hyped for kansas 37 lead changes the record for a 400 mile race uh earlier in the spring denny hamlin kyle larson a classic duel to the finish so we'll see how it goes this weekend round two of the playoffs coming up i want to thank you guys for Listening into the Racing with Ryan podcast uh, solo show here this week, um, I, I think the the holiday weekend got Kenny crossed up. Um, normally he normally I hear from him, and I, I didn't hear from him at all. So hopefully we'll get him back on uh, next week. Always plenty to talk about. Whether you you got me, whether it's a full room or not. So thank you guys for listening, and tune in next week. We have plenty to talk about. Hopefully uh recapping the new one of pro light model race and whatever else is going on around the state and of course kansas and whatever other news to talk about too so thanks nice for listening and we'll talk to you next week bye